the rude awakening to find out that, oh, I've worked all my life, or my mom has worked all her life, or my dad's a veteran, and we're not really getting enough resources or support financially to pay for, you know, 10000 a month at a memory care community. Hi, I'm Bobby. I'm a certified caregiving consultant and a certified caregiving educator. I also lead a caregiver support group in my local community. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here, we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Speaking of best medicines, right? (laughs) (laughs) You got that right. (sighs) Now, we've talked in the past about how dementia affects the whole family and how even young children um, become unintentional caregivers by taking on certain roles, like our granddaughter did. Right. Like Mallory, I remember watching her with her other grandmother um, who had some memory issues and how she would just naturally take on the role of watching and making sure grandma was okay. That was pretty amazing. Absolutely. And it becomes more and more important every day for us to reach out to caregivers of all ages. And that brings us to today's guest. She was introduced to Alzheimer's disease at the age of six and watched it take its toll on her great grandma and its ripple effect on her entire family. Decades later, as a millennial, she found herself in the midst of the dementia world, collaborating with families. She is a gerontologist and holds graduate certification focused on dementia care practices, aging, and global research. She currently works for the state of North Carolina, counseling families and individuals impacted by dementia. Please welcome to the show the dementia guru, Ms. Ashley Stevens. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so Excited to be here chatting with you, Bobby and Mike. So it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show today. Well, it's a delight having you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's start off with with a quick question in that I first came across you um, when I saw that you were directly communicating with millennial caregivers. And since you started in this world at a very young age and continue with it now, Are there individual or special issues that uh, millennials are dealing with that need to be brought out into the open? Yes, that's that's such a great point, um, Bobby. I think a lot of millennials are, you know, they're actually already caregiving. They're already providing care for a loved one or a parent or possibly even a parent who has been diagnosed with early onset dementia or Alzheimer's um, before the age of 65. So a lot of millennials, more than 10 million actually, are already providing care for a loved one. And because of that, it's an extreme toll that's taken on uh, the family and that primary caregiver as the millennial. So I see a lot of times where millennial caregivers need uh, a lot of support and it's an unfamiliar territory that they're kind of charting by themselves and trying to learn about what resources are available um, and what's 
the best way to provide quality care for their loved one. I think one of the biggest issues we see for millennial caregivers is definitely that balance between um, caregiving and then working, being able to maintain their um, work uh, schedule as well as providing care for their loved one, and then also raising a family at the same time. So a lot of millennials are also in that sandwich generation where they're caring for children while raising their um, families and caring for their loved one and working. So it's a bit of a balancing act that's a, a huge challenge for millennial caregivers. Now, one of the things that we've recently become aware of is that there's millennials that were going to college and are dropping out of college because they have to be caregivers or they're taking on the role of caregivers. Are you seeing a lot of that? Yes, and, and that kind of also goes into the younger generation as well, the um, Gen, Gen Z, that generation of caregivers who may be younger than the age of 24, which is about the cutoff for millennials, um, but are in college, they're in school, and they're needing to go back home, or even, you know, more recently with COVID, they're going back home and then they organically kind of find themselves in this caregiving role because now it's fallen on everybody who is in that household. So we do see that frequently with um, a lot of uh, young caregivers who are in that Generation Z. Now, um, I, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, they're back in the home where they had been off at school. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that I've spoken about because very often caregivers feel very isolated. And now that people are home from work, you know, working from home, home from school, my advice is always to give them a job. And, and it may not necessarily <laughs> be direct care for the person with dementia, but taking on some of the other roles. But I imagine that in your age group, in the millennial age group, which are as you said, working caregivers and sandwich generation caregivers. I imagine support from your employers would, would ease your situation at least a little bit and possibly a great deal. Yes, yes. And, and that's the one thing that we try to encourage a lot of millennial caregivers is that it's important to have that open dialogue and conversation with your employer, even though it may be kind of challenging to open up and share that personal caregiving experience and, and what your needs are. But it's really critical to go to your employer and actually speak with them about your needs, about your caregiving situation, and about the importance of them being flexible, offering options for you as a caregiver to have time off, to be able to have a flexible schedule. Um, I know a lot of millennials I've connected with through my blog, they're working from home, they're able to um, maybe get someone to come in a couple hours during the day so that they can focus on work, but they're still able to be in the home and have their eyes on their loved one for that supervision need. Um, and so really encouraging millennials to be comfortable with talking to their employer about their needs for flexibility and support, which is, is very difficult. Um, what I'm hearing is a lot of employers, especially the big ones, don't realize how many caregivers there are working in, in, in their businesses. And But what's getting their attention is that the people on the upper echelons, the CEOs and, and 
are now finding it's affecting them. So they're looking more for resources to help people. Um, we're very interested in doing, you know, when people are back at work, lunch and learn programs, mm -hmm. having on-site caregiver support groups. Um, now, one of the resources we can offer is a um, online caregiver support group, which is one of the things that I do during COVID. Yes. Um, and uh, love to have some, some new people come and join that group that way. Yes, and um, I'm glad you mentioned that because you know, everything's really gone virtual now because of COVID, but it's opened up opportunities just like that for a support group to meet virtually. And I, I'm glad to hear that you facilitate one. I also facilitate a support group. It's an African-American caregiver support group. And we went from in-person to virtual. And now a few of us in my local um, area here in Charlotte, North Carolina, we're looking at potentially a support maybe a group, not sure of a group, or some, some sort of gathering for millennial caregivers and really looking at uh, ways that we can support millennials who need that virtual support as well. Well, that, that's interesting that you should say that. And I have the question, how would that differ? How would that be different than what you do as the dementia guru and the tools that you have there? Yeah, so this would be more of an educational platform and opportunity to gather uh, millennial caregivers together and to talk about the challenges they're experiencing, get around other millennial caregivers who recognize that, hey, you know, I'm not alone. I'm not the only millennial caregiver who's doing this, and I have a support network to actually talk this through with. So with my platform, with the Dementia Guru, I really started it as a blog to offer just educational um, information and awareness on um, my website as well as social media and Instagram and Twitter. And it's kind of grown from that, creating that, that place where people can um, come together. But the millennial support group or gathering would be more of a, a similar to a support group where they'd be able to meet more frequently, actually talk to one another and creating a space for um, them to do that on a more consistent basis. As, as a longtime uh, caregiver support group leader, um, I did hear from and see on social media sites, a number of younger caregivers and millennials um, feeling that, you know, being with just a group of older people, they didn't feel that their needs, that, that maybe they weren't taken seriously, maybe they weren't thought of as real caregivers and didn't yes. quite feel comfortable. So I think, you know, what you're talking about is, is extremely valuable. Yes, and that's exactly what I've heard from uh, some of the friends, new friends, uh, millennial caregivers that I've connected with over the past several months. Um, just hearing that same, that same thing that they don't feel as connected to other support groups that they've tried in the past, maybe because they are in an older generation or because they're caring for a spouse, um, because we know that's a different type of dynamic as well. Um, so really creating that, that space for them to feel that they're heard and that they're seen amongst their peers, amongst other millennials who get it and understand that you know, it's, it's a challenge to also uh, deal with um, the stressors of being an adult, go going into young adulthood while also caring for their loved one. 
And so you might take those concerns to a regular caregiver support group and they may not be received or heard as well. So um, creating a space where they can feel welcome and connected to other millennials. Ash Ashley, um, I've done some speaking at conferences on some of the aspects of being a male caregiver and some mm -hmm. of the um, uh, perceptions or misperceptions, if you will, of being a male caregiver. And male caregivers are starting to come up more and are getting close to the 40% uh, a mark of caregivers, uh, 35 to 40%. Are you seeing a lot of male caregivers in the millennial? I think, you know, I've come across several, but I, I still see the majority being a lot of female caregivers, millennial caregivers. Not to say that there's not male caregivers. I actually um, connected recently with a gentleman in Canada. He owns um, the website millennialcare.com and he is a, a male caregiver and really interested in connecting um, caregivers and providing advocacy for um, quality care globally. So he's got a really good um, mission and interesting story behind his uh, caregiving role and how he got started in, as a caregiver. So I think there are a lot of um, female caregivers, but um, we're seeing some male caregivers kind of come out and, and feel comfortable with talking about their role as a caregiver. Right. And a lot of the male caregivers are the professional caregivers in facilities and yes. things like that as we stand now. So probably the vast majority of that 35 to 40% are the professional male caregivers as opposed to the family mm -hmm. caregivers. Yes. Yes. One of the things when I was researching for our, our chat is mm -hmm. you're doing some global research. Can you talk a little bit about the research that you're doing? Yes, well this, I, I'm not actively at this time, but um, previously I did um, some research as a graduate assistant. Um, and we did a lot of research on um, Asian culture and how they um, prepare to care or how they, um, what you call pilau, um, caregiving where they're actually in the family, they're caring for their loved one in the home. They um, use different types of interventions for dementia caregiving. So even in their long-term care communities, they might be um, doing different types of exercising or different types of physical activity to help um, facilitate brain stimulation and um, really help support that person living with dementia. So um, the researcher that I was studying under, Dr. Ophelia Lee, she continues to do a lot of great research, actually. Uh, she reached out to me more recently to join on another research study, um, really focused on the person living with the dementia, um, providing different activities, um, stimulation tools that would help to foster healthy brain um, development and cognition. And so those are some of the things that I did years ago, but now um, looking towards possible um, future opportunities as well. Interesting. Now you, you mentioned um, caring for spouses uh, being a particular interest to millennials because, and, and, and that's something that um, concerns me. And it's one of the reasons why I do the kind of outreach I do to that age group. Um, 
because younger onset is growing rapidly. And when we consider how fast these numbers are growing globally, it's not necessarily being concerned about taking care of parents or grandparents. Um, we're rapidly reaching where people in your age group and those that come behind you are going to need to be concerned about taking care of parents, maybe even brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. um, as this younger onset grows, we're not sure why that's happening. I have some thoughts that, you know, it's environmental, but it's definitely something that every adult needs to know about. Yes. And, and I think we're seeing it, like you said, more frequently. And I'm sure you know that, you know, if it, it actually increases the, the chances of that adult child being diagnosed as well. So you know, if my mom, for example, if she were to be diagnosed with early onset, young onset Alzheimer's, that increases my chances about 50%. So it's also, you know, this concern for us younger generations about what our future looks like and are we susceptible to, uh, or more susceptible at a higher risk to develop some form of dementia. There's also a lot of financial concern to, in, in that as well. Because as these as as this grows, as we see now, we have one pandemic going on, right. um, but our our healthcare system is broken. The healthcare facilities are going to fill up, which means there are going to be fewer spaces for those who need it, and it's going to become more expensive. So more and more people are going to have to be doing this at home. Right. Right. And. I think the other piece of for millennial caregivers is really educating them about what that looks like as far as, you know, the financial piece, um, if long-term care is even an option for them, if they need to look into Medicaid services and benefits and programs that will help to offset some of the costs, local government programs or grants that might be available. Um, from my experience, a lot of people reach out to me and they, they think that uh, Medicare is going to cover everything. Oh, no. It's a <laughs> rude awakening to yes, find out that, oh, I've worked all my life or my mom has worked all her life and my, or my dad's a veteran and we're not really getting enough resources or support financially to pay for, you know, 10,000 a month at a memory care community. It's, it's culture shock. <laughs> to say the least. Now, we do have some podcasts on our site um, that you can recommend to people. One is with an elder care attorney. Another one is with someone who specializes in Medicare um, and can answer a number of those questions for them. And of course, there are always resources available, and you're a great one. <laughs> <laughs> I try to I try to learn as much as I can because you know things are always changing and you know you refer someone to this grant program one day and it might be gone or lose funding the next so it's a learning it's learning for all of us right yeah uh, what Bobby called it was creative problem solving on the fly or on absolutely. the run absolutely <laughs> now, keeping, Ash keeping us on our toes <laughs> now Ashley in in the bio it says that you um, were quote introduced to Alzheimer's um, at about six years old, watching your great grandma. Can you talk about a little bit about your journey as a caregiver at a very young age and what you saw, and how your family reacted? Sure. Yes. 
So um, I know you probably heard the phrase young at heart, but I like to say that I've always been older at heart and I really, <laughs> I really contribute that to my, my experience as a six-year-old witnessing my great-grandma, Grandma Trolley. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and my mother and my grandmother, they were her caregivers. And there was one time in particular, I, I, it's just ingrained in my head. I remember um, walking in on my mom and my grandma trying to help my great grandma Trolley um, get change out of her clothes and really just, you know, helping her with care. And I just remember being so confused, so, so shocked at what I was witnessing and just wondering like, what is going on with grandma Trolley? What is, what is wrong? Why is she laughing? Why is she screaming? You know, what, what do we do here? <laughs> what are they doing? You know, I was really, really confused. And I remember my mom, you know, just reassuring me and trying to kind of help me understand what was happening. But I think, you know, even for them, it was very unfamiliar. It was very new. They were taking on this caregiving role without tons of re resources and understanding of what it was. Um, thankfully, my grandmother, she was a nurse. Um, so she's been a nurse all her life. And it's interesting because she's always, always been a caregiver. So I've watched her care for many family members. And um, now at this current time, she is needing care. And so I'm actually watching my mother provide total care for her day in and day out. Um, I actually went home this summer for over a month just to kind of help my mom with that caregiving, get some resources and services in place. So um, I, like I said, I was introduced at a very young age, but since then it has been in my family multiple times, um, just really witnessing my family take on the caregiving role um, at different points in my life. And now as an adult, being able to actively be a support and assist um, in that caregiving, that's been a, a true honor as well. Well, we kind of shared that. I come from a long line of family caregivers. And, um, you know, it's the belief that family takes care of family. Um, but you, you mentioned, you know, not understanding what was happening as you were seeing it. And understanding, you know, dementia behavior is one of the things that causes caregivers to have so much stress when they don't realize why somebody with a dementia brain behaves the way that they do. Why are they saying these things? Why are they afraid to take a shower? All of these things. Mm -hmm. um, and you hear the same question over and over again. Are they doing it on purpose? Sometimes they're fine and sometimes they're not. Um, and it all comes down to education and, and people like us and people like you sharing the information as widely as possible. Yes. Uh, we walked into it thinking we knew what we were getting into. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> into your rude awakenings. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's, it's always, you know, the, the unpredictability of it all, too. Because once you feel like, oh, I've got this down and I know, I know what to expect or I know how to plan, dementia is like, no, I'm going to go left. I'm going to change it up on you, keep you on your toes again. So it's so unpredictable. And I think that's why we start to see such high levels of anxiety and depression amongst dementia family caregivers, because it's so unpredictable. 
And then of course, the grief that's associated with it, the anticipatory grief that they're experiencing um, constantly, the lack of a, a strong support system sometimes. Some families don't have a, a large uh, support network and so they're doing it on their own. Um, so we're seeing such, such a, a mixed bag when it comes to um, dementia caregivers and really needing the support that is required to provide quality care. And I always say, you know, it's not, it's not just an individual disease. It's a family disease. It's Absolutely. not just person-centered. Yes. It's family-centered. We have to think about how can we provide quality care, not just to the person, but also to that primary caregiver who's the anchor of everything. We have to look at the family as a whole picture, the whole family dynamic, which is interesting too. And that's, that's when I feel like my social work hat really gets put to, to use. And I get to put that on because looking at family systems, looking at family dynamics, and really helping the family as a whole develop coping skills to um, process what's happening, what, what is the process of this disease, the course of this disease, and how do we cope together? You know, yesterday I was on a consulting call uh, with a caregiver who felt like, one, she needed to do everything herself. And I was telling her that's not possible and giving her resources, but also recommending that she prepare not for what's happening now, but also what's coming next mm -hmm. and get systems in place. Um, one of the things that she talked about was her husband's reached the point where he's using Depends at night and she has to help him with that. And um, she feels uncomfortable with that. So when I suggested, you know, having somebody come in at the end of the day to help him to, with the nighttime stuff, um, she, she said, but I don't know that I really need that for, for an hour a day. But my conversation with her evolved around, get her husband comfortable with that now before mm -hmm. it expands. So, so he needs so much more help. Right. Um, so I have, because of COVID, developed a series of webinars on the stages of caregiving. You know, we hear a lot about the stages of the disease, but when you go from planning to caregiving all the way through to the end of life, there are six stages in between with steps to take to help you through that. And again, that's, that's part of our outreach. And I think it'll probably help some millennials as well. Definitely. That's, and that's a great resource. It, I would love to have that so I can share that on my platform as well. I'll send you information. Great. Now, Ashley, before we wrap up, um, I also saw in researching that you've recently partnered with um, Elder Safety and Elder Safety Platform? Yes, that's a new partnership. Um, Elder, they have created a great safety platform. So you, you know the um, life alert buttons or necklaces with the buttons that you would typically wear and then you, know, you fall, you press the button and hopefully, you know, I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah, I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah. Well, um, it's very similar, but instead of having to press the button, you would actually connect it to your Google device and say, Google device, I've fallen, or Google device, elder, I need support. And it automatically connects to that person's contacts and their emergency um, contact on 
that they've listed on their um, site. And so it's a great way to first notify the caregiver that something has happened, um, as well as give that, that older adult some sense of you know, comfort and security that they have a, a line of defense when something has happened. And this, I say this was a, a great thing for my grandmother because when I went home back in the summer, like I mentioned, I looked over and she had her necklace hanging on her closet door. I said, Grandma, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do with that over there on the closet door? And she's like, oh, that thing? I'm like, yeah, you might fall, which she has fallen a couple times. So I'm like, yes, you might fall. She's like, oh, yeah, I guess I should grab that thing. And like I mentioned, she doesn't have dementia. So it's a great tool for her because she's cognizant enough to be able to say, to, to actually make the alert and call the alert to the Google, the Google device. So, um, yeah, that's a great, a great platform. Well, it's interesting because you brought up that it was hanging on the doorknob because I was going to ask the question of somebody with dementia wondering what it's for and not understanding what it's for now, even though they were told five minutes ago, because that's just part of the process of the dementia brain and putting it somewhere and not necessarily hanging it on the doorknob, but sticking it underneath the sofa pillow or In the trash. throwing it away or mm -hmm. whatever. Yes. Um, I'm wondering if you, some of the workarounds for something like that, that would be an yes. interesting discussion. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a part of my role as kind of partnering with them and offering that kind of insight about how can we actually develop this platform to also function for people living with dementia and their caregivers. And so I think um, when they first came out with the idea, it was for older adults in mind who may be living alone independently. Um, and their loved one may be long distance or not in the home with them and wanting to offer that safety support, but now kind of expanding to what are the options for someone who's living with dementia and their caregivers. Well, we're definitely going to have to keep in touch with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm always interested in learning about new products and new ways of caregiving and things that help us to provide care more seamlessly and, and more effectively. And that I have learned is also like a millennial thing. Like we love technology. We love to make things kind of just work cohesively. And so if we can do that in the caregiving realm and the caregiving role and the dementia world as well, that would be wonderful. So just really open to finding out different ways, different products that are available to help caregivers and help those who are living with dementia. Well, we definitely look forward to working with you going forward. Yes. And feel free to share, you know, my, my website, www.thedementiaguru.com. I'm on Instagram and uh, Twitter as The Dementia Guru. All of that will be on our website so people can, can connect with you. Great. Well, Ashley, it's been a joy having you on, this, on the program. And I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of our discussion um, and hopefully we will be able to reach out to more millennials. Um, that is one of our goals. And uh, hopefully this will help do that. But it's been an absolute joy talking to you. I know I thoroughly enjoyed it and I learned. <laughs> yes, Bobby. me too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, Mike, I saw you taking some notes. I mean, one of the things that I wrote down was there's at present 12 million millennial caregivers now. And I can just imagine over the next 10 to 15 years or so how fast that is going to grow. Yeah, that that kind of surprised me. I, I figured there was a lot, but that that kind of number was a little bit of a surprise for me. And I think part of it is in attempting to reach out to that group up until this point and finding Ashley wasn't having a whole lot of success. It was very minimal success in reaching out to that group. And sometimes when I talk to people about the importance of that, they say, well, they're not really interested. Well, Ashley has proved to us that they are. Yes, indeed. But you know what really struck me most is something that she said. Um, And she said, the family caregiver is the anchor of the care team. And that is so true. And I never thought of it in that aspect. And whether she likes it or not, I'm probably going to steal that line. (laughs) It's a great line. And it is so true that the family caregiver is, in fact, that anchor, that stability of the care team. Absolutely. And it, it is, it's definitely not a one person caregiver. It affects the entire families. And it was also um, reassuring or heartwarming or uh, good to know that there are millennial groups in, in our neighbor up to the north to, in Canada and hopefully other countries as well, um, just as there are caregiver support groups all across the world. So that's, um, that's good news too. Um, you can find more information about Ashley Stevens and Dementia Guru on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please, subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. You can find out more about HCA on our website or go to hearingcharities.org. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content.